Ah, praise God, y'all. What a word, what a word and song. We need to put our hands together and just begin to bless him right now for the worship. Come on. Come on, put those hands together. Come on, what's wrong with you? Get your hands together and begin to thank him right there in your house, in your car, in the bed, in the bathroom. I don't know where you are, but you better go ahead and bless his name right now. For the Lord is good and greatly to be praised. I, I saw somewhere that, uh, just, just this week, I don't know, it could have been on social, and somebody said, whatever you don't turn into praise will turn into pride. Come on now. We ain't, listen, we ain't putting no confidence in self. Everything we have, everything we are, everything we hope to be, we give all the glory, we give all the praise to God, and we needed that worship to set us up. We needed that worship to get our minds right. That's why we worship, y'all. That's why we sing them songs. Come on. That's why we lift those hands. What it does is, is we, we, we put our minds in the right space. We set the atmosphere, like we said the other day. Worship doesn't change your mindset. You set the atmosphere. Come on now. You set the atmosphere of worship. And you do it with your intentionality. So we just give God praise right now. Anybody blessed? Put it in the comments right now. If you're blessed, say I'm blessed. I want to see it in the comments. Come on, put it in there. I see you. Come on. If you're blessed right now, put it in those comments and say I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. Somebody, I ought to be seeing it coming on in. That's right. That's right. Let it come on in. Say I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And what I've been saying lately is I'm blessed better than I deserve. Woo! <laughs> when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, I'm blessed better than I deserve. We're going to the word right now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm feeling all right already. You know, the, the weather has chilled a little bit, but it's a little warm in here now. And I ain't talking about the, I ain't talking about the physical temperature. I feel a word in my spirit tonight. All right, listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I should say today rather, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses uh, uh, 1 uh, through 18. We're going to look at the entire chapter, but I want to just lean in and look at, for focus today, verses 16 and 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, and uh, the, the, the subject matter that we've been wrestling with is enough is enough, enough is enough. That's right. You know, I'm going to ask you to put it in the comments. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Looking at the ministry of Paul to the Corinthian church, that church that had a lot of issues, that church that had a lot of drama, that church that had a lot of mess going on in it. And what we have been saying is, is look, enough is enough, not only with the mess in the church, but enough is enough, more importantly, with the mess in my own life. Amen, somebody. Come on. Amen. We ain't just looking at everybody else. We're not expecting more out of others than we expect out of ourselves. Well, listen, I'm at, I, listen, 2020 for, year, for me has been a year of introspection. I've been looking at myself. But looking at myself every year, we always do that. We say every year is a year of something. But for whatever reason, this pandemic has shut us down, put us in the stop movement, caused us to break our routine, to look at some stuff. And what I've been doing is I've been looking at me and I've been saying, mm-hmm, there's some stuff that got to go. Enough is enough. Yeah, I've been looking at you long enough, telling you that you got to change and they got to change. My kids got to change. Come on. My wife got to change. Your husband got to change. Everybody got to change except you. Come on. Enough is enough. All of us, all of us need to be in the hands of the God that can bring about the change that's necessary. We've been putting everybody else in his hands. It's time for us to put ourselves in his hands. Second uh, Corinthians four. And uh, we're going to look at, uh, uh, all the verses here, but I want to focus just for our reading today on verses 16 through 18. And, and here's what the word of God says. The Bible says, so we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart, though our outer self, this is the English standard version of the Bible. 
Though our outer self is wasting away, your body might be falling apart. Your physical man. Some of y'all came out of surgery recently. Some of you might have had COVID-19. I don't know. Some of you got arthritis. Whatever it is you're dealing with. I don't know what you're dealing with right now. Diabetes. Come on now. The word says here, he said, we don't lose heart. Though our, our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self, however, Paul says, is being renewed day by day. Woo! <laughs> he said, my body is taking a beating. He said, but my spirit is getting stronger. Come on, say amen. Somebody put that in the comments right there and say, listen, I might be taking some L's in my flesh, but my body, but in my body, but my mind is getting stronger. Verse 17, he says, for this light and momentary. Thank you, Paul, for reminding us this too shall pass. This ain't forever. This ain't going to last always. That's what this old folks is. Trouble won't last always. Verse 17 says, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing, is preparing, preparing. Come on. Somebody shout preparing. Preparing, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Yes. Verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen. Hey, hey. Come on, you're talking about a mindset shift. Somebody shout, enough is enough. But to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient. Mm, what a perspective shifter right here. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Thank you, Jesus, for this word. Thank you, Lord. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message today is The Paradox of Ministry. The paradox of ministry, the word paradox almost gives one the idea of the, the contradiction, the struggle, the struggle of ministry. You, you, you feel sometimes that ministry ought to bring with itself the blessings by which ministry disposes on others. But as I've talked about, as we have heard before in this series, there is a paradox of ministry. There was a paradox. Paul talked about his body was taking L's. In other places, Paul talked about being shipwrecked. In other places, Paul talked about beating, beating. I'm reading through the book of Acts right now. This is my own personal devotion. Your boy Paul, literally, for preaching the gospel, the word of God says they stoned the man. <laughs> they stoned the man, tried to kill the man for preaching the word of God. This is the experience, and we keep telling you over and over again, when you begin to follow Jesus, when you walk in your assignment, there's a lot of folks out there talking about that, you know, every, every five minutes, greater is coming, and the next level is coming. It is. But part of that is that when, when, whenever there are new levels, there are new devils. <laughs> hey, true, 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 true facts. All like 100, whatever you're going to put in the comments, facts 100, it is what it is. The, the truth of the matter is, is there is a responsibility of suffering that comes with the assignment of ministry. And Paul, in this passage of scripture, there's always a backstory. That's one of the things I love about Corinthians Come on, you, you just read it with the naked eye. You might, some of y'all might get bored, you know, unless you're in chapter, uh, chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians 5 when you see the brother sleeping with his mother-in-law, you know, that type of stuff. We like that stuff. Or the drama, you know, we see them arguing and fussing and fighting, all right? But let's look at the backstory here because it gives so much flavor to what's happening in the text. Y'all ready? Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? All right, let's go here. All right, so, 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 so here's the background of, of 2 Corinthians. So we've been looking at 1 Corinthians. Now we're just four chapters into 2 Corinthians. And, 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 and guess what, y'all? This ain't really Paul's second letter to the church of Corinth. You see, you understand these epistles were written in response to issues taking place in the church in Corinth. And so Paul writes these letters as a loving pastor to pastorally deal with some of the issues in the church. All right. So in many ways, it's almost like somebody sent him a text. Paul, listen, there's some drama going on and Paul is texting back or Paul is sending back an email. 
Uh, we don't write letters no more. I, don't, I can't get nobody to pray in here no more. I mean, we, I remember my wife, you know, come on, say amen. Last letter I wrote, last letter I wrote, I got a maybe instead of a yes. Come on in here. I ain't get a no either. I asked my wife when we was in school. I said, listen, baby, talk to me. I said, do you like me? In the, come on, write down a line, nice line sheet of paper. Do you like me? Yes, no, and then I put the maybe option in there. Come on, y'all, y'all not hearing me in there. I wasn't going to get totally rejected. Amen. She circled, she circled maybe. Amen. That's the last letter I wrote, y'all. Now we send texts and emails. Come on, praise God. Listen, here it is, Paul. I don't know. Maybe Paul sent an email. I don't know. No, of course he didn't. But listen, if he were here today, Paul would have responded with an email, right? But, but the, the context tells us that Paul started this church in Corinth and then he left. All right, so Paul goes, plants this church, and you cannot miss this. Please get the backstory so you can get the breakdown, all right? We got to get the backstory before we get the breakdown. Paul started this church, right, and with a blaze of glory. Folks were getting saved. Folks were getting delivered, coming out of stuff left and right. Um, you've been there when we've had these great revivals and these, or the tent meetings from back in the day and folks getting saved and folks jumping into the water left and right, people's lives being changed by the hundreds. And, and so Paul started the church. Paul then left. And then all kinds of problems broke out when Paul left. Maybe Paul left too soon. Maybe Paul should have stayed there for a little while. But for whatever the reason, drama broke out. And one of the reasons why drama broke out is because so, some people saw this new church as a place where they could exploit. And so all these false apostles came in. These false apostles came spreading their gospel, spreading their information, trying to undo the ministry of Paul. I remember I was pastoring a church. I will leave it nameless. And if y'all real nosy, y'all going to check to see all the churches I passed. Don't do that now. Just leave it alone. I pastored a church. That's all you need to know. I pastored a church. And I remember pastoring this church and on one and, and I had multiple churches. And so I couldn't really I couldn't really be at all the churches every Saturday. I had, they literally had multiple churches and, and I would preach uh, on one one Saturday and and then I have to go to be with the other church. And, and one of the things I saw happen is I would preach one thing and then and then I would have leaders that didn't appreciate the direction that we were taking the church. And they would preach the opposite of what I was saying, causing discord and division in the church. I've been there. I understand what Paul. Listen, you, you have to only a parent can really understand a pastor. Only a parent can understand a pastor. You see, those of you who have children, you know how possessive you are about your children. You know the values you've taught your children. You know the things that you have instilled in them. Uh, come on now, you may not even get along with your, listen, some of y'all just understand from family, you may not even always get along with each other. But when somebody from the outside, come on y'all, comes in, it's time to work. <laughs> it's time to work. Listen, I can't stand you while we living at home. But the minute there comes uh, an external, an external attack, we begin to unite together. This is what's happening with Paul. Paul started this church it was young, it's in, in its infant stages, but it was vulnerable. And you had these sophisticated, I want to emphasize that, you had these sophisticated, come on, super apostles is what Paul called them, who came in. And they started creating drama in the church, trying to undo stuff Paul did. So a letter was written to Paul saying, Paul, listen, we're struggling out here. Can you help us? So that's when 1 Corinthians was written. Are y'all with me? Are you with me? Do you get how, how 1 Corinthians was written? Drama was going on. Paul uh, opened up uh, this church. He left to go start other churches. Drama broke out. Sophisticated leaders with their own false doctrines came in. And so they said, Paul, we need help. Paul wrote First Corinthians, said, come on, we got to fix this. And, and so what happened when Paul wrote First Corinthians, it was written to correct some of the stuff that was being taught. But First Corinthians, believe it or not, was rejected and not accepted. 
They literally, the people in the church rejected and rebelled against 1 Corinthians. Man, it's amazing when you, when you get the background of things that are going down. That's why you got to have a 2 Corinthians, all right? Because 1 Corinthians was not received. Uh, uh, so, so, so when 1 Corinthians was not accepted, understand now, Paul then comes in person. That's right. Uh, let me just throw that out there. Some of y'all, listen, man, sometimes you got to go talk to somebody one-on-one. There's all this texting and emailing. Come on now, all this passive aggressive stuff. At some point, you can try one way and then you got to go. You got to deal with stuff face to face. Paul talks in First Corinthians about the painful visit, the painful visit. Rather, in Second Corinthians, he's talking about the painful visit that he had to make. And when he went there, it was tough. It was painful because he was trying to he was trying to bring unity back to the church. And with many tears, Paul writes about that this 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 trip was painful. It was rough. Because he was beginning to lose his people to false doctrine and lose his people to sin and and everything that he preached and everything that he built and every and all the foundations that he laid were being undone. And then and then and then and then and then there were a few that were were, that were under conviction and most of them were uh, and they wanted to reconcile with Paul. And so after Paul left, Paul with tears Pleading with them. Come on, y'all. You got to turn this thing around. Come back to the gospel. Come back to the ways in which you were taught. Come back to that which you came into in the beginning. And so uh, we, we understand the backstory behind this is that many were under conviction and they wanted to reconcile with Paul. So Second Corinthians, that's right. Second Corinthians was written mm-hmm, to assure them of his love and was trying to reach those who still rejected. Oh, no, no, this is good. Y'all hear this now. This is going to set up everything I'm about to say. Paul has written 1 Corinthians to correct drama in the church. All right. Listen, they rejected it in 1 Corinthians. And listen now, so he had to visit personally. This is what we're telling you. And it was a rough visit. He wasn't even sure if everybody had received it. So after he had left, it wasn't until after he had left that the spirit of God began to move and, 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 they, and, they, and they wanted to reconcile with Paul. Paul physically could not go back. So as a review, Paul then writes 2 Corinthians to tell them how much as he loves them, to, to encourage them. I mean, this is a pastor. Listen, y'all, this is a pastor, uh, like a parent pouring, calling out, crying out for his people, saying, listen, y'all, listen, I'm going to call you back to that which you know. I want to encourage you. And so 2 Corinthians is now written to a group of people who, who are, who, 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 who more, who more than, more than, more than before are now ready to receive what he's saying. However, there's still a small group of people that still reject him. And Paul is concerned about them too. Let me tell you something right now. A lot of us, a lot of us, a lot of us, we got to be careful in our relationships with people. We got to be careful in our ministry assignments. See, most of us, we, 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 we can only handle leading people that agree with us. We can only handle leading folks that that enjoy what we bring to the table. We can only handle those that support us. But but I believe as a leader and as a minister and as a person who wants to grow in character, that you cannot grow in character by always being surrounded by people who agree with you, by people that understand you, the people that get your ministry. I have learned and this is what we learned from the writings of Paul, especially in this chapter, is through taking some L's, it's through painful visits. It's through nights when you're anguishing and crying. It's when you have to lay on your face and pray for your ministry. It's when you have to lay on your face and pray for your family. It's when you have those moments where you have issues with people and you're working, you're trying to work stuff out. This is the stuff that produces the character in you that's necessary to be who you want to be. And listen, I'm not going for all this talk, man, about how we going to the next level. But we ain't taking no L's. Why are we going? 
You got to you got to take some L's. You got to go through some stuff. You got to have some hard times. You got to deal with people that always are not uh, immediately uh, supportive of what you're doing. And so what Paul is teaching us here, hear me, y'all. He is teaching us the patience of a pastor. He is teaching us the patience of a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ does not flick up his finger at people and say, I'm done with you. We don't do that. When you are, especially when you don't got all this grace, especially when you don't took up all this mercy. I remember my parents, you know, one of the things, if you're a parent, you understand this. I remember my parents, man, you know, sometimes they come home, man, and the house be a mess, man. We'd be ungrateful. You know what I'm saying? We'd be disrespectful, talking sideways to them. And I will tell you this. When we did talk that way, we did not. We were not on our feet for very long. Come on, say amen. Listen, those old school days, we, we, we were not far from death when these things occurred. But I will tell you, every now and then we get a little we would get a little fresh. Y'all don't know what that means. Old school folk know what I'm talking about. When you would get fresh in your mouth. Right. Fresh means disrespect. You get popped. Come on. What did you what? I didn't hear that. Say that again. You get popped in your mouth. And one of the things I never shall forget. My mom had this way of bringing us under conviction. You know, she loved the Lord, full of the Holy Ghost. You know, she was the type that would pray for you while she whipped your behind. Come on, say amen. Come on, y'all not, y'all don't know nothing about that. I don't know, maybe y'all fans must say, my mama would pray over your behind. Now I'm about to whip you in Jesus' name. <laughs> lay, lay hands on you. Come on in here, y'all. And then when it's over, I'm going to thank God for the discipline. <laughs> and then I'm going to tell you I love you. Ah, the devil is alive. Woo, we used to catch it, y'all. But one of the things that she was very good at, my mom would, I, and sometimes with tears, she would be like, y'all so ungrateful. Oh, I don't know about y'all, but that used to get me. I mean, it's a lot of stuff my parents would say and that stuff would roll over like water on a, on a duck's back. You understand? You a kid. You just taking, 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 taking. And she would say, y'all so ungrateful. She's like, y'all ain't work for none of this. You sitting up here in my house. Come on, talk to me, parents. You sitting up here in my house, taking up, taking up uh, the, 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 the air conditioning that I'm paying for, taking up this heat I'm paying for. Y'all eat up all the food. Won't leave nothing for nobody. Come on, listen. This is what we would do. Y'all, listen, I'm talking to somebody in here. Y'all haven't, you ever, any parents, can I get a witness? You work all day, come home. You know what I'm saying? You got, they wouldn't leave you nothing. They wouldn't prepare nothing for you. Just selfish. Taking up your toilet paper. Come on now. Uh, flushing your toilet. Taking up your water. Oh, I, I think I'm getting some help in here right now. Come on, put those hands up in the comment. Anybody know what I, any parents know what I'm talking about? Or anybody, when you have blessed somebody, when you've taken care of somebody, when you've poured into somebody, and they don't give you nothing back in return. And they just as ungrateful, Lord have mercy. And they just take and they take and they take. And what I will tell you right now, it's those experiences that teach you what parenting is about. It's those experiences that teach you what relationships are about. You don't know what no ride and die person is until you've had somebody to ride for five seconds and then leave you. See, we've got to have this, y'all. And we are, I am afraid that in this generation, we, have, we are too, we, I am concerned that we are elevating an idea of Christianity that has no suffering in it at all, that has no drama in it at all. That has nobody, no haters in it at all. That doesn't, and, and, and all we want to do is just get past them and move to the next level and not have to carry nobody with us and not have to carry the pain and carry the issues and, and deal with the folk that don't want to deal with us. But if you're going to be a follower of Christ, Lord have mercy, then you're going to have to embrace this thing. And Paul now, I love the example of Paul. The reason why we have first and second Corinthians is because we have a man of God who was literally doing everything he can to see that these people are saved. Why? Because he loves them. He loves them. And when you love something, hear me now. When you are in love with somebody and when you are in love with something and when you are passionate about something, Lord have mercy. You don't quit. You don't give up easy. 
You don't go into your little corner and take your toys and you don't play anymore. Y'all better hear me now. Here's the point of my message today. The point of my message is real ministry is not about self-promotion. Real ministry is about self-demotion. That's what real ministry is about. I want to say it again. Real ministry is not about self-promotion. It's not about things going well. You looking good. Real ministry, look at Jesus, is about self-demotion. The lower you go, the higher you go. Oh, and this is what Paul is talking about. And so more specifically in this situation, we see Paul writing these letters, trying to get folks' attention. More specifically, here's what happened, y'all. Oh, Lord, listen. Oh, I got to come out of this seat right now. I got to come. I got to, I got to get up. Listen, more specifically, hear this now. Watch what happens in this text, y'all. Paul was, uh, as, as most scholars would suggest, Paul was diminutive in stature. That's just a big word to say the brother was short. All the scholars agree he was short. He did not. He didn't have the swaggiest outfits. No drip whatsoever. Paul had, didn't have that. Amen. He didn't listen. He didn't have the designer suits. There was really honestly Paul's gift. Paul's anointing was in his writing. It was not even in his preaching, uh, according to many of the scholars. As a matter of fact, Paul himself said of himself, he says, I didn't come to you with eloquence. He was like, I didn't come to you with, with three points in a hoop. He was like, I didn't come to you and make you shout. He said, I didn't come to you with, 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 with a lot of talent. He said, I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Oh, God. Oh, God, help us not to rely on our skills. Help us not to rely on our talents. God, raise up folk that just got power, something they're tapping into that's greater than their than their little talent or their gift. Paul said, I didn't come to you that way. And so for all intents and purposes, most scholars would agree. Paul, we look at him now and we elevate Paul. But Paul was looked at by the people as being sort of not really like the most dynamic person. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Paul was not considered dynamic at all. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul, Paul was poor. Listen, y'all hear me now. Paul was poor. Paul had a meager living with manual labor. Come on. He was preaching, but your boy was had a was making tents on the side. There was nothing like he wasn't, he wasn't Dr. Paul. They didn't see him that way. Uh, Paul was constantly suffering persecution. Hear me now. Hear me now. He was constantly taking L's, constantly suffering persecution. Huh? I don't know. If Paul, if Paul were here today, Paul would have had a beat up car. Come on now. Paul would Paul shoot, but had holes in his shoes. Come on. Paul wouldn't have had the nice skinny, the skinny suits. Come on now with the spread collar. Paul, that would not have been Paul. You would not have even recognized Paul. Paul's strength was Paul's love. Paul's strength was Paul's passion. Paul's strength was not his gifting, but it was the fact that he was so committed and so tapped into the Holy Ghost. That whenever he made moves, the spirit would break out in him. For the word of God says that his power was not based on his personal abilities, but a demonstration of the spirit's power. But what happened is, is when these super apostles came in, they were sophisticated. <laughs> when, when the super apostles came in, these brothers were dressed nice. When the super apostles came in, they were eloquent. They could speak well. That was not Paul. You didn't know that. These brothers, they came in. They, 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 they I don't know. They had all the, they had all of the, the, the outward and external, uh, you know what I'm saying, accoutrements that would say, oh man, these guys were far superior to Paul. And so Paul's enemies, they came in and said, hear me y'all. They came in and, and they were causing confusion saying, this guy Paul is not sophisticated enough. This, this guy Paul, I mean, he don't got it going for him. He can't speak. The brother's up here stuttering. Come on now, he writes good, but he, when, when we see him, he's small of stature. Come on, all the short people, come on, hands up. Come on now, I mean, brother, he just didn't have it. He did not have it. All he had was the Holy Ghost. Uh oh, I, gotta, I feel it coming right now. 
And so he was they were more sophisticated than him, than him his his opponents. Come on, y'all. Uh, they were more wealthy than him. They drove up. Paul drove up. Come on now. And, and a little clunky and a little lemon. And they drove up in the nice rides. Come on now. And so people were looking at this saying, listen, now, God can't be with Paul. <laughs> they like God can't be with Paul. This dude is whack. This dude is lame. This dude has nothing. His preaching is he's kind of, he's not. These guys, man, they razzle, they dazzle. They've got the clothes. They're articulate. They drive, they drive, they look nice. They wear nice. They, they, they have the savvy. They are sophisticated. They've been places. And Paul, and so Paul began to lose ground on account of being compared to these more gifted pastors and preachers. And so what they began to, to emphasize in the church, hear me now, is they began to emphasize status over sincerity. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, oh, Lord, I need to, I need to help of the Holy Ghost tonight. What, what, what was more impressive to them was how somebody said it and, and the way they said it and how they looked when they said it and, 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 and what happened. What, all, all of the frills and the thrills is what they were into, the status, the money, the things that were impressive, but they were not impressed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Good God Almighty. Woo! And, and so and so they wanted better speakers and they wanted better preachers and they wanted they wanted folk who, who had the pizzazz and, and who had all the gifts and, and they were unimpressed with those of you that, that don't nobody notice your talent and you ain't no five-talent person. You don't got all that going for you. You don't got no name recognition. You don't got 25,000 followers on social media. Come on now. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody coming try to, down to find out what you got. They ain't asking for your autograph. Come on, you're not being invited to the conferences. You ain't being invited to the, to, to the ministry. But you're faithful. Ah, and but you're serving. Come on now. Listen, I got to preach like it's real because my sound folk in here right now. I see you, Howard. Come on. That's my sound tech. That's my sound, man. I see you, Howard. Come on. You ain't on the road yet with Fred Hammond. You ain't on the road yet with Kirk Franklin. Come on. You ain't on the road yet with, 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 come on. Y'all have tired tripping. I don't know who, but, but, but come on. I see you being faithful. Come on, Brandy. I see you. I see you behind that camera right now. There's somebody holding that camera and you don't see them. Come on. You don't know who they are. You don't know. You don't, you don't see what they're wearing. You don't know who where they from. You don't know what degrees they got. But see, what we do is we celebrate the person behind the camera. We celebrate the person looking into the camera. We celebrate how they said it, what, 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 how I feel when I said it. But the question is right now, if the issue that is same issue in 2 Corinthians, the issue is, is we are more impressed with status, with shine, instead of sincerity and with the spirit. Come on. Oh, God. Oh, and listen, I'm telling you, sophistication don't move demons. Ah. Sophistication, sophistication and money and status and all that stuff ain't going to be there for you in the midnight hour. It ain't going to answer no calls. It ain't going to be dutiful. It ain't going to show up when people are in need. And Paul is like, y'all getting caught up in the wrong stuff. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Come on now. And so Paul, their value system was status. Their value system was impress me. Their value system was entertain me. Their value system was look at what they doing over there. Why ain't we doing that? Look at what he's doing over there. Why ain't you doing that? Listen, they was appreciative when they didn't know no better. Now that they seeing better uh, or quote unquote better. Now they want to throw away that which got them where they are in the first place. Reminds me of some of some folks in their marriage. Come on, you, you ain't had no issues with your wife till some, until that, till, till that woman came, came up there talking about what she wasn't, what she is, and then you done stepped away from your marriage. Come on in here. Ain't nothing wrong with your marriage. There's something wrong with you. Come on now. Ain't nothing wrong with your husband. 
Uh, come on, I know he ain't everything he, you want him to be. And I know maybe some brother out there that got more than he got, but it don't matter. He's still your husband. It ain't the issue. It's not about status. It's not about sophistication. It's not about what you got. It's about your sincerity. It's about the spirit. And so Paul challenges their value system. I'm almost done. Paul challenges their value system. And this is what Paul says. Paul says this, and I want y'all to hear me. Everybody listen. Everybody, come on, right now. Get this right now. Here it is. Here is the word. Paul says, true Christian leadership isn't about status or self-promotion or being impressive. I think you're Holy Ghost. Super apostles. They, they said, Paul, give us letters of recommendation. Somebody preached about it. Paul, but Pastor Regina said, Paul, you, if you're going to come back to your church, we need to see your resume. What? Paul was like, Paul, <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Paul says, I ain't giving y'all, I ain't finna write no recommendation. I started this church. But here's the thing. I ain't about to get caught up in your foolishness. It ain't about my about, about, about education. It's not about it's not about my resume. It's not about letters of recommendation from people speaking highly of me. I love these people. Ooh, Lord Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. Paul's philosophy of ministry basically is going to be laid out in these quick points. Can I break it out to you real quick? And this is the one reason why Paul is saying, even though my body is falling apart, even though I'm sick in my body. Some folks, you know, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. We don't know. Some folks said Paul was going blind. Some folks said Paul had other diseases. Paul getting attacked in his body. Folks discrediting his ministry. Paul getting stoned. People trying to kill him. Anybody out here catching it? That's what I want to know. Anybody out here catching hell? Take two steps forward. God use you to do something. You bless somebody. Next thing you know, you get a report. I got to go get a biopsy. I got to go get, I got to, I got to, I get this. Doc, I got to go to the clinic. I got me all kind of stuff goes on in your life. And that does not mean that you don't got it. That's what I want you to know. It don't mean that it ain't, it ain't working for you. Just because your name ain't bright. Just because people don't write. God sees what you're doing. God hears your prayers. God sees that his hand is on your life. And that's all that matters. And in due season, when God is ready to raise you up, can't nobody stop you. Lord have mercy. And you will have the character necessary to be able to handle the next level. Because the truth is, and y'all done seen, there's a lot of, lot of stuff happening in the church. Preachers falling left and right. Affairs happening. Come on, I'm telling you the truth. Come on, immor immorality happening. This is the stuff you're seeing. But can we be honest? How many of us out there, it should have been you. Mm, come on, how many of us out there, if the spotlight was on you, it should have been you. But guess what? God didn't put the camera on you. God didn't put you in that position. Why? Because he knew you didn't have the character not only to handle the fall, but you didn't have the character to be able to handle the repercussions of the fall. Lord have mercy. It would have killed you. So you want to thank God right now for mercy that he covered you. You want to, this ain't in my sermon, but I feel like I'm talking to somebody. Somebody ought to praise him right now that your fall wasn't public. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody ought to praise him right now that your disgrace was not on display. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to praise him right now that the stuff you did behind closed doors, ah, it wasn't posted all over social media. It wasn't laid out all over Facebook. And it doesn't make you better. It just makes you blessed. <laughs> Woo! Watch what Paul says here. A few quick points ah, from, from 2 Corinthians. The first thing that Paul lays out to us in verse 1 of this chapter is this. Paul says, ministry is the result of mercy. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Look at verse 1. Paul says there in 2 Corinthians, he says, therefore, having this ministry, the text is right there on the screen, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we don't lose heart. Notice now, he said, the ministry I got, I got by the mercy of God. Oh, I could just stay right here all day. 
I feel the Holy Ghost, y'all. I'm having a praise party all by myself right now. Oh, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, is I'm here. I got the mic. Yeah, but I got it. Not because I deserve it. I got it because of mercy. Uh, We already know what grace is. Grace is not getting or no rather grace is getting what you don't deserve. Come on. Can anybody in here can rejoice right now that I just keep getting blessed and I'm blessed far better than I ever deserve. Come on. Woke me up this morning. I'm blessed. Started me on my way. Come on. Gave me a reasonable portion of strength and help. I'm, I'm, I'm not here because I made a way for myself. I'm here because he made a way. Listen, our ministry is based on his mercy. Listen, and that changes how you perceive your ministry. It changes how you serve others. You don't feel like you're God's gift to people. You start recognizing that God gave you the gift. And the gift you got, you can't help but want to tell everybody and give everybody. Number two, number two, come on, I got to make these seven points in seven minutes. Number two, uh, ministry is about integrity, not manipulation in order to look good. Come on now. Ministry is about integrity. And so the way we lead, y'all, is we don't lead by manipulation. We lead from the inside out, not from the outside in. Number three, the second thing that Paul teaches us is that ministry is war and it has enemies. Look at verse three. The Bible says in verse three, and even if our gospel is veiled, mm -hmm, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Verse four, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. So understand now, when you are doing the work of ministry, Anytime you are trying to help somebody, anytime you're trying to labor for the kingdom of God, you got to expect that Satan is going to try to disrupt the success and the effectiveness of it of it. So stop getting discouraged. Come on now. Stop getting all out of sorts. Stop getting mad. Expect it. Expect it. Assume it. I don't care what you're doing, doing children's ministries. Doesn't, I don't care. Posting something positive on social media. Satan does not want anybody to be encouraged, anybody to be helped, anybody to feel love. He coming for your ministry. Ministry is war. Somebody put in the comments. I'm fighting for my life. Come on now. I'm ministering for my life. I leave here. Demons coming after me. When I leave here, they're coming for my family. Danger seen and unseen. The old folks used to say, come on now. Number four, this ministry power comes from God. Come on now. The power that we have in ministry comes from God. Look at verses five and seven. The Bible says in verse five, it says for when we proclaim for what we proclaim is not of ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord uh, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake verse 6 for God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus but here's my favorite part right here verse 7 he says but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us come on now and then what he says here he says this is how we know that the power comes from God verse 8 it's right there y'all he says we are afflicted in every way but not crushed Woo! come on y'all perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down hallelujah come on but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus in other words we're catching it but guess what the more we catch it the, the more the more the better we're getting come on we, we're cast down but we ain't destroyed we're getting hit on every side but it ain't wearing us out we're still here by the grace of God y'all hear me now in other words the power of ministry comes from God you ain't here because you did it you're not here because you've been faithful church folk crazy talking about oh man I've just been faithful all please child please you ain't been the Lord I almost listen I almost whoo almost said something I y'all better pray shut up you ain't done nothing to get you where you are right now, except you held on to the Lord's unchanging hand. You fell seven times, but you kept getting up. 
Can I get a witness in here? Stop taking for granted the blessings of God. Stop taking credit that don't belong to you. The power comes from God. Where else we have in here? Verse uh, number five, point number five. Uh, this ministry, <clears throat> this ministry is a paradox. It's a, it's a contradiction. Come on now. You, you, you take L's. Uh-huh. You're perplexed, but you're not forsaken. Come on. You cast down, but you're not destroyed. And so sometimes in ministry and in serving the Lord and in walking in Christianity, you feel like, man, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I don't feel like I'm making moves. I feel like I, I take one step forward. I'm really taking a step backward. But all the while, you don't realize that the Lord is working on something. The Lord working on something. Listen, we don't win like they win. We win differently. Listen, I'm, win, I'm winning like it's hidden. It's hidden type stuff. Don't nobody see what, what's really happening on the inside. Ah, uh, number six, number six, uh, the, the, the ministry we believe uh, first, then we speak. Come on, that's what Paul said. He, listen, when you, if you're going to be one of these real ones, he said, man, said, your ministry is based on what you believe. Then you open your mouth. Don't stop running your mouth about stuff you don't even believe in. One of the things I'm noticing right now, we got people up here, man, they just philosophizing, saying crazy stuff on the Internet. They're not sure what they believe. Let me tell you something right now. One of the reasons why Paul could stand against these super apostles, these sophisticated folks, is because listen, I don't care how deep you are. At the end of the day, you know what wins every time? Belief. Conviction. Like, I believe what I'm saying. I've seen it. Let me tell y'all. I remember passing these little country churches. And then we have little folk up there real sophisticated. They could sing. You know what I'm saying? They could flip runs. You know what I'm saying? They could do that. You know what I'm saying? They could sing different octaves and they would kill the crowd. People be singing, be sung under the pews. You know what I'm saying? Folks be shouting. And then I see an old saint. Come on. Y'all don't know nothing about this. Y'all see an old saint. Come on. That ain't no. Now listen, we ain't had no tune piano. We had an upright. Y'all, 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 y'all do good. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all, y'all got them Rollins and them Yamahas in y'all church and them Hammond organs. I'm talking about the upright piano out of two. Listen, and we get to playing and folks be all singing all left and right and center and couldn't stay on the note. But them mothers would be singing with tears in their eyes. Come on now. And they'd be singing the, the hymns of God and crying out to God and praying for their children. And there was something powerful about their singing because their singing was based on belief. They didn't have doctorates. They didn't have masters. But they know that he'd make a way somehow. Come on. They, they, they know a masters from a, from a bachelor's. But one thing they knew, they knew that he was a bridge over troubled waters. Ah, come on. They, they didn't know. They didn't understand redaction theory. They didn't understand like the various levels of theology. They didn't understand the various levels of pneumatology. They didn't understand the various levels of sanctification and justification and glorification and all of your vacations. What they knew is, is won't he do it? Yes, he will. Come on. Well, don't don't they know? Uh, come on. Uh, eyes have not seen, nor ears heard. Neither has it entered to the heart of man what God has prepared for them. They just knew simple verses. They believe that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I feel like preaching it here right now. They knew what they knew and they led by what they knew. And when you believe what you believe, that gives your ministry power. Know some stuff. Before you come around here talking about some stuff, keep your mouth shut if you don't got nothing to believe. If all you know is three scriptures, stand on those scriptures. Come on now and walk out there with some authority and speak and stand on the word of God. But we don't need folk double minded and unstable in all their ways. Know you the word of God and stand on that thing. Last but not least, number seven, number seven. I told you I'm going to give you seven in seven minutes. Number seven. Last thing he teaches us, the ministry is about grace. Come on. The ministry is about grace. It's about grace. Listen, what, what message are we preaching and teaching? We're teaching folks, listen, man, that listen, God is trying to hook you up and you don't deserve it. 
We're preaching the gospel around here. We ain't sitting up here telling folk, you got to be good. You got to be great. You got to be sophisticated. You got to figure it out. These are full of super safe folk over here. Shut up. Listen, we helping everybody out right here. We try to set everybody free. The gospel is for everybody. And every last one of you here right now is a recipient of his grace. Reach up your hands and receive it right now. Receive it over your life. Stop beating up on yourself. Stop being. Listen, every minister out there got a problem. All of us. And even when I say ministers, some of y'all think pastors. I'm talking about all of you. All of you are ministers. Ministers mean servant. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you are listening to me right now, do not sit here and look sophisticated like those fake apostles in Corinth. But tell the truth. You have a struggle. You got a prop. No, you got problems. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Come on. You got issues. And the only reason that you are here to be able to serve is because of grace. And so in the end, here's what Paul says. In the end, Paul says, he says right here, he says in verse six, he says, so let me, let me tell y'all something right now. At the end of this thing, he said, this is why I don't lose heart. Put the text on the screen for me right there. Uh, verses, uh, verses 16 through 18. This is my shouting point. And I'm out. He says, so I don't lose heart. I ain't studying y'all. That's what Paul's saying. I ain't tripping on y'all. Y'all talk about me all y'all want. I know I ain't sophisticated like y'all. I know I take some L's. But listen, I'm sincere. I'm real with this thing. He says, I don't lose heart. He says, though my outer self is wasting away. He says, my inner man is being renewed day by day. Come on now. Ah, you can take everything you want from me. You can take my reputation. You can talk about me. You can lie on me. Come on, you can scandalize my name. But guess what you can't do? You can't take what he's doing on the inside of me. And I'm getting stronger. Come on, Marvin Sepp. I'm getting wiser. Come on. I'm getting better. Come on. I'm getting so much better. Oh, talk about me if you want, but I got it going on because he's doing a great work on the inside. And verse 17 says, why, Paul? He says, for this momentary, this light momentary affliction. Come on now. It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. In other words, I'm done, y'all. Listen, stop looking around you. Stop focusing on what you see. Come on now. These are light and momentary afflictions. Woo! Come on. You're struggling now, but it ain't that. It's just a, it's just a temporary stay. This ain't no extended stay. You are passing through, yo. Guess what? And when you're coming out, you're coming out stronger. And when you're coming out, you're coming out with your faith that's been tested. And when you're coming out, you're coming out with a word that has come from experience. And now your ministry has some substance to it because you done been through something. And it doesn't matter what people say. God will take care of them. It doesn't matter what people say. God will take care of them. It doesn't matter what people think. God will take care of them. Be not dismayed. <laughs> Whatever be tied, God, Lord have mercy, will take care of you. Oh, I need somebody right now to begin to bless his name right now. You done caught it, hell. You done been through some stuff. You, done, you feel like you go from one trial to the other. It seems like you've been living in the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, you've been held as a kid and held as a teenager and held as a young adult. You've been raped and you've been abused and you've been left and you've been rejected. And folks have talked about you. They've not accepted you. You feel let down like you've let yourself down. You feel like you've let others down. You feel like you're not as good as them or, or you don't have as much to offer to them. Paul says, he says, stop tripping. This is just light and momentary. He said, I got a word for you right now. I'm doing something in you that's getting ready to blow not only your mind, but it's going to blow everybody's mind. Come on now. Woo! The Lord says, hallelujah. The Lord says, eyes have not seen. 
nor ears heard the things that God has prepared for those that he loves. And when he loves you, you got to take the pain with the praise. You got to take the suffering. Come on with the salvation. You got to take them struggles with the moments of praise. Come on. You got to take it all. Why? Because it's doing it inside of you. It's inside of you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. Mm, God. God, what are we doing? We're getting caught up in the wrong things. But I hear you centering us right now through the message of Paul. Paul, who was talked about. Paul, who was belittled. Paul, who was overlooked. Paul, who was really considered a nobody. But now we're reading his writings. <laughs> oh, you see, see, Paul was nothing then. Ah, oh, but Paul is now teaching us now. See, that's what God will do. Even when you're going through it, you can't even see what God wants to do in you. But we are the recipients of the ministry of Paul now because you don't go by what's seen. You are working in the unseen. What a mighty God we serve. I pray that somebody will hold on right now. They won't quit. They'll keep their hand on the plow. They will not give up because their ministry and their service to God is not about recognition. It's not about approval. It's not about affirmation. It's not about appreciation. It is about faithfulness to God. And in the end, you're going to turn it around for our good. It's our prayer in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.